Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The Jewish religious leaders who were very uh, fervent and zealous for their faith, and now seeing this Christ and his followers, they certainly wanted to snuff it out as quickly as possible. Not content with the fact that they led him to the cross and they crucified him there, hoping that that would be the end of it. But it's never the end. You can never keep the gospel down. You can never keep a man of God down. You can kill his body, but the work goes on, right? The work goes on. And the main part of this letter, Peter wanted to give them a living hope. Jesus is our living hope. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ. Today, Pastor Rob continues to teach from the Apostle Peter's first letter. Peter's intentions, as he was writing to the new believers, Jews and Gentiles, was to encourage and remind them where their hope was found. During this time, there was much persecution of Christians, and this letter revealed to them what it meant to have hope in Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are reminded that our hope is in Jesus who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 and follow along with Pastor Rob. Peter, last week, if you remember, we got into just the beginning of 1 Peter. We really talked about Peter himself and just his character. And we looked at some milestones in his life. And before we read a letter like First Peter, it's always nice to, as we did last week, to kind of get an idea of who this man was. And we are very familiar with Peter because we, there's a lot of jokes that get made on Peter's behalf, but he was a man of like passions like we are. He was no different. He had his problems and issues, and so do we. And, and I love the fact that God includes them in, in everything. He doesn't hide. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a problem showing the whole world from the very beginning when this was created, when the Bible was written. And he, he's not afraid of showing the shortcomings of his servants. And he's not afraid to exalt them for the things that they do well either. And we know that Peter was like that. He had some issues in his own life, some shortcomings, some sin issues of unbelief and um, impetuism. You know, he was a very impetuous guy, very spontaneous. And you, that can get you into trouble. But he also had great insight, the Holy Spirit uh, breaking through all of that personality and getting into the heart of a man who could say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And for Jesus to reply, you know, flesh and blood has not re, you know, told you this, Peter, but my Father in heaven. You know, the Spirit of God has told you this. And so we get into this first epistle, and let's just go down and read through the first 13 uh, verses And then we're going to get right into it this morning. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom not having seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, Searching what, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into." Father, we thank you for this word, Lord. We pray you'd encourage us and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the epistle of Peter, obviously written by the apostle Peter, uh, written about 63 uh, A.D. And this was just prior to Paul, his martyrdom in Rome. Peter and Paul were both imprisoned in the same place, we believe, in the Mamertine prison in Rome, and a few years ago, actually quite a long time ago, 1990, I had the privilege of going to Europe and seeing this prison that we believe that they were incarcerated in. And, but Peter wrote this letter about 63, and just before, seven years right before the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans, and Peter was writing to a people who were uh, undergoing persecution, certainly Jewish believers, but he was writing, uh, we believe, uh, quite possibly to mainly Gentile believers, and we get that through the first uh, in First Peter here in chapter two, verses nine and ten. He says this uh, concerning those who he is writing to. He says, "But you are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And here it is, who were once not a people. The Jews were a people, but the Gentiles, they were not a people. So certainly Peter was talking to Jews, but also to Gentiles. And he goes on, he says, who were not a people, but now are the people of God. Now you are the people of God. You weren't before, but now you are. Who had not obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. And he's writing to these people who are on the run, being chased by those who held to Judaism, the Jewish religious leaders who were very uh, fervent and zealous for their faith, and now seeing this Christ 
and his followers, they certainly wanted to snuff it out as quickly as possible, not content with the fact that they led him to the cross and they crucified him there, hoping that that would be the end of it. But it's never the end. You can never keep the gospel down. You can never keep a man of God down. You can kill his body, but the work goes on, right? The work goes on. And the main part of this letter, Peter wanted to give them a living hope. In fact, the main verse of this, the key verse of this whole entire epistle would be in the third verse. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, the living hope. And it's very easy to forget about a living hope when you're running for your life and you're fearing for your life and instead you feel like you've got a living death. You have a a death sentence against you. And certainly Rome hated Christianity because there was a claim that Jesus Christ was the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That means he's king over Caesar, who was a king, lowercase k. Jesus, king, uppercase k. And I love that. He's the Lord of Lords. Jesus is. But now they need to have a living hope. And and so he gets right into it. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and Bithynia. Now it's interesting. We have to define really what an apostle is. And an apostle is really one that is sent, a messenger. But it goes even farther than that because it's specifically applied to the 12 apostles. There are only 12 apostles. And the word means someone sent forth with orders, and that's exactly what they were. And there are men today who clothe themselves with titles. People like titles. <laughs> it's not enough if you've got a, a, a Ph.D., and that's okay, you know. But some, some people go overboard, and they make sure that you know what their name is. You know, your name's not just Rob Kellogg. Your name is Rob Kellogg, you know, you know, Reverend uh, the Apostle, or, you know, they, they go on this list of, you know, high right Reverend, uh, you know, most holy, the Vicar of the universe. Of course, I'm none of those things. I'm just Rob. You can call me Rob. I'm not stuck on a title. But people do. They get, they get caught up in titles. But Peter says, I'm an apostle. There's an authority there that, that Jesus gave him this authority. No one else gave him the authority. So you can call me Rob. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. It says, he, he himself, God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And, that, and so our roles may be different, but we don't have to get hung up on titles. But Peter was an apostle. He was an apostle. And there are no longer any more apostles on the earth. In fact, there are qualifications to be an apostle. And we read this. You might want to underline this in your Bible because it's important um, that we understand these kinds of things. What is an apostle? Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 21 tells us. It says, there in the upper room before the day of Pentecost, it says, therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us from the Mount of Olives, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And so that's when they choose, they, they cast lots and they choose Matthias, remember? 
God didn't tell them to do that, but they did it anyway, and that's okay. But the qualifications of an apostle was somebody who, uh, beginning from the baptism of John when Jesus was baptized, up until his resurrection and witnessed his resurrection. And that's what the definition of an, an apostle is. And also he goes on in the same thing, and he says, to the pilgrims, to the pilgrims. A pilgrim is really nothing more than a stranger, a temporary resident. You know, you're a temporary resident on this earth because you belong to Christ. You no longer, your ties aren't here earthbound. They are heavenly. And sometimes we get confused about where our residence ultimately lies. We think that we live on the earth, and we certainly do. Jesus says, I've called you in the world, but I haven't called you to be a part of the world. He doesn't want us to be a part of it, but to be, we're in it, but not to be a part of it. We're not to entertain the things that the world entertains and to be enamored by the things that the world is enamored with. We've been given a new nature, a nature that is incorruptible, a nature that is holy, a nature that desires holiness, the very life of Jesus Christ in us. In Philippians chapter 3, it says in verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. That's where ultimately we are, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. (laughs) Our lowly body. Does anybody here have a highly body or a middle body? A lowly body. Uh, Transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the work which he is able to even subdue all things to himself. So he says, he writes this letter, to the pilgrims of the dispersion. And this dispersion is um, yes. There we go. <laughs> this dispersion is normally applied to the Jews. We know that they were dispersed in 722 BC. They were also dispersed during in 606 BC. That's when the when Nebuchadnezzar finally came against them. Finally, in 586, the whole Jerusalem is burned. They're led off into Babylon and also in 70 AD. Now they're dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. Christian believers, Jews and Gentiles, after the day of Pentecost. And notice what it says here. To the dispersion, to the diaspora in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and these other areas. And if you look up here on the screen, you can see where uh, Jerusalem is. Jerusalem is right here. And as a result of that persecution, they all are scattered all the way around this area, what we call Asia Minor, or today it's modern-day Turkey. And so you've got all of these uh, places that they've been dispersed to. You've got Phrygia over here, Bithynia and Pontus, you know, Cappadocia. And so they're, they're scattered all around there, running for their lives. And again, you know, just a, um, a modern map, we can see that this is the modern-day Turkey. You know, this area that they were dispersed from is right around this area here. And it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if you think of Peter on that day of Pentecost when he stood up and he, he spoke. It says that in, in Acts chapter 2 that there were converts from Pontus, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia there at that time on the day of Pentecost when they were speaking 
when the, the disciples came down from the upper room and they were speaking in languages that these people could understand. And now they're born again and now they go back to their own lands or they're driven from Jerusalem in fear of their life. Now they're, they're going back. And, and so Peter would naturally be concerned over those who he had ministered to, those 3,000 souls that were saved on that day. And then he goes on in verse 2, he says, Very, or I'm sorry, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. You know, if you have your Bible open to this verse, you might want to uh, underline a few things because in this verse you see the Trinity. You know, the Trinity, the word you're not going to find in the Bible anywhere, but the, you're going to find it all over the Bible. And this is one place. If you look just in verse 2 here, it says, God the Father, underline that. And sanctification of the Spirit, underline that. The sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, underline that. The triune God, all one together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in the plan of redemption for our salvation. And elect according to the foreknowledge of God. This is a fantastic verse because it's hard for us to understand that God can understand things in the future. See, he reigns outside of time. He's the beginning and the ending. He was there when it, was, when it began, and he's going to be there when it, when it all ends. And he's seen it all as if it's already occurred because he lives outside of time. We, unfortunately, are trapped in this finite universe. We're here. We can't see what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen a month from now. But God, who sees, he's, the Bible says that he inhabits eternity. So he can look upon it as if it's already completed. And that's why he has knowledge of your decisions. Does he modify you and, and make you do something? No, he doesn't make you do something. But he has the wonderful benefit of his one or several characteristics that he has, his omniscience and omnipresence. He knows exactly everything. He can't, be, he can't learn. He can't be fooled by something. And so he knows which of us are coming to him for salvation. Before we were even born, he knew this information. He knew those who would not come to him and ultimately would die in their sin and go to hell. He knows all of this. And yet every single human being, he gives an opportunity to come to him because no one will stand before the Lord in the day of judgment and say, I never knew. You never told me. You never sent anybody to me. Lord, and, 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 and as a righteous judge that he is, he, would, he could say, you're right. I didn't. <laughs> and then there's a conundrum, but that's never going to happen. The Bible says that even the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows forth his handiwork, his genius. You look at everything under a microscope and the closer you get, you can get a microscope and go and get an electron microscope and zoom in 2,000 times on anything. And the closer you get, the more intricate it becomes. The more, it's not like a pixelated thing, like a picture. You, you get in, you print out a photo and you can see the pixels. No, the closer you get, the more refined it is. That's just the way it is. That's amazing. He knows all things. He, and so in that case, he has foreknowledge. He knows already what's going to happen. But we are responsible to make the choice. Because remember, God cannot make a robot. 
He doesn't want a robot. He doesn't want somebody to just follow a script and say, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I serve you all the days of my life. (laughs) He doesn't want that. He wants somebody living and breathing, willing to say, you know what, God, you have saved my soul. You've forgiven me for my sins, and I gladly give you my life. What greater love is that when the God, the great God of all creation, offers you such a great gift, and you gladly receive it, and you understand it as much as you can? You grab it and you hold it and you're like, Lord, this is the most precious thing to me. No one can take it from me. It's mine because you gave it to me and I'm secured in Christ. No one can take it away. I can't even mess it up. I can't mess it up. When he gives it to you, it's yours forever. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to blow it. You're going to sin. And guess what? You'll always come to the point, even if you're a little stubborn, you will come to the point where, like, God, I have messed up again. Forgive me. And he's like, I forgive you. It's that simple. Anybody who makes it anything more complicated than that is trying to sell you something, usually a book. <laughs> but God is simple in that, in that regard. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, because it talks about this idea of, of foreknowledge. According to, you know, um, who according to his um, abundant mercy, through his, uh, excuse me, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. And so we look at this now from verse 2 here. Actually, I just, uh, I messed that up too. Let's go back to verse 2. It says, (laughs) I've only had one cup of coffee today. No. So, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay, there, there's where we lie. But in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, I'm going to read it to you. You might want to just write these down because these are good to look at again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both of which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, and whom also we have obtained, notice, an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined. There's a word that kind of messes you up. Predestined. We think of it like he's done something to us and therefore we can't change. We, can't, we don't have a will involved in it. No, it, it just means that because he knew in advance these things, he could predestine you. Does that make sense? It's a difficult concept. But, you know, I never struggled with it because I know that God knows all things. So I'm responsible for my decisions, but God knows those decisions that I'm going to make. And he stays out of the equation in, in a sense where he doesn't make me say something. He doesn't make me do anything. He offers the gift of salvation and waits for me, for us, to respond. That's the way it has to be. Notice in verse 13. 
In him you also trusted, and after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Spirit, Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed. It's something that God does, and when he does it, he does it right the first time. He doesn't say, well, you're sort of sealed, but your seal is leaking. No, when he seals you, when he says, you're mine, and you've professed faith, it is a done deal. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you're going to make your mistakes. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.